and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. If you want to help us improve more, you can actually sign up for our Patreon and donate to that mm-hmm. at the Kinky Tavern. Um, and you can send us questions or suggestions to any of the following. Yes. We're at the Kinky Tavern on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. And that's all one word, the Kinky Tavern. We are also separately on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I am at pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. Mm-hmm. You can also join our Discord through our link tree or through um, messaging us and we'll send you a link. We'd love to have you engage with us and help us make this the best place to learn about kink. Yeah, and you can find us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Almost all the places. Hi, I'm Miss Dizzy. And I am Pup Wrecker. And today we're going to be talking to you about... Blood. Yay! (laughs) We like blood. Yes. Blood is one of our favorite kinks. So, real quick content slash trigger warning. We will be talking about blood, piercings, cutting, scalpels, knives, needles, etc. Oh my. So, if these are things that are not going to vibe well with you right now, please go ahead and click out. We'll catch you next week, hopefully, with something you can listen to and not be squirked out by. Take care of you. Okay, so this is not a course which is going to prepare you to participate in blood play in any way, shape, or form. You will truly need to learn this activity in person from someone who is very experienced in it. We will be giving some safety tips, but this is not an encouragement to do this type of play without a mentor or teacher supervising. To reiterate, you should always learn from an experienced person how to do blood play. You can really fuck up, and it's bad. Yeah. And we'll tell you a little bit about that, too. So much fun. But no, we'll tell you all about the good aspects of blood play, too. So, hematolonia is an interest in using blood or blood-like images in sexual play. Blood play in kink is not always necessarily sexual. So, blood doesn't have to be sexual at all. It, it is for a lot of people, and, I mean, that is a little bit for us, too. But... I also do, like, cutting, like, artistic cuttings and just regular cuttings. And you can also do needle play, which can involve blood and doesn't have to be sexual at all. Actually, I think that would be kind of hard to be sexual with needle play. With Although, needle play, for me, it's just more sadistic. Yeah. But knife play can get into blood. It's not always sexual. I mean, even using, like, a scalpel in, like, a medical scene... That doesn't have to be sexual at all. It can be a very clinical medical scene. So Basically, any type of kink can be sexual or non-sexual. Yeah. Um, for me personally, be- I think it's because of my demisexuality. I It changes based on if I'm doing it or watching it and who I'm doing it with or watching it being done to. Hmm. So, for example, if I am 
cutting one of my boys very turned on if i am doing needles on one of my boys it's more of a sadistic thing if i am watching one of my friends that i'm emotionally connected with get cuttings it's very it turns me on <laughs> it's hot um, as fuck it's it's very hot but if i'm watching just somebody i don't know getting cut or getting needles i'm not really a fan of watching needles i'm more a fan of doing them <laughs> but with cutting I, I do enjoy watching other people doing cuttings but it's less sexual for me when it's someone else when it's someone i don't have an emotional connection to and more just like that's hot i like watching this but not like i'm actively getting wet <laughs> yeah when i see someone else doing needles or something it's it doesn't really do much for me like i do appreciate because there's posts on fet of like needles and like they do like artistic designs and i think that's really cool those are really fun especially the ones with ribbons yeah but even like cuttings like i mainly look if i do watch a scene like that it's mainly for to see how they're doing it is there a certain way they're doing it that i could use to make my way do of doing it better absolutely i think that's very important for all kinksters in all types of kink to yeah. watch others mm -hmm. and observe how they do it observe their technique and how it works and doesn't work mm -hmm. and learn from them and if you are more experienced maybe afterwards you can be like hey I saw you doing this, thought maybe you might want to try this, you know, be very kind about it, but you know, um, I think that's really important is to observe. And I do that as well with the, especially needles and uh, cutting because we've been doing cutting for a while, but needles is a lot more new to us. Yeah, still pretty new. So. Uh, so I do like to watch other people and learn from other people. And I did learn um, both of them separately from two separate people who had been doing it for a long time. So. Yep, still waiting on those 44 needles, though. Oh, you're gonna get them. Oh, yeah? Someday. I have to have 44 spoons. <laughs> That's a lot of spoons. <laughs> okay, maybe not 44. But... <laughs> so, blood play is a type of edge play, which means that it is on the boundaries of what is risky and uh, just kind of on the on the edge of the kink community. Um, it's not necessarily... It's, it's a little more taboo, I would say, than most... I mean, it's it's more than edge play. Anytime you're dealing with blood, it's it's very there's a lot of safety issues with it. So. Oh, definitely, it's super super serious, super super risky. Yeah, you could transmit diseases. Mm -hmm. You could cause scarring. You could cut too deep or cut an artery, and somebody could start bleeding out. Yeah, bloodborne pathogens are no joke. Yeah, so um, definitely you want to get tested mm -hmm. frequently if you are doing blood play. Yeah. Me and my partners are all tested and fluid bonded with one another. If we were to have an encounter where we thought that was at risk, we mm -hmm. would test again and not fluid exchange until that test came back. Well, and even if like I decide to do a cutting on someone else that wants a cutting, I would ask to see their their results on their oh, yes, tests absolutely. and everything. Just, even if, like, there's no actual exchange of bodily fluids or anything, if I'm just doing giving a cutting to them and I'm wearing gloves and everything, I still want to have that just to be sure. I mean, they could have some some genetic thing or something, yeah. and I, I don't know. But just to be safe as a, as a precaution. So. Absolutely. And I think it's important to have those results with you mm -hmm. if you plan to do any type of fluid exchange or um, fluid exchange possible activities, I guess I want to say, 
such as sexual activities um, or blood play activities, water sports, stuff like that, because a lot of people will want to see those results before they even talk about it. Me, myself, I, I want to know you well. I want to be friends with you. I want to care about you before I go cutting on you. Mm. That's a pretty intimate kink for me. It's kind of like sex for me. Like, not, not in that way, but like it's, it's that intimate. It's that deep. Yeah. It's it, very spiritual for me. Yeah, it's not quite as as much for me. For me, I I kind of take more of an artistic approach to it mm-hmm. than anything. I mean, I always try and do my best to make it because usually it's it's a, usually what I do is artistic. Mm-hmm. So, like what I recently did one on our leather boy. It was uh the zero the dog from Nightmare Before Christmas, just his head. Looks but it looks fucking awesome. It looks really good. I need to get another picture of him, like of the progress of it. But um, it came out really well. Um, but it was getting all the curves and everything is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really nice. I like it. Yeah, it's fun. But it's I mean it's not necessarily limited. I I give anyone a uh, cutting if they wanted it. Right. Especially if it's like a decent image and I it's something I think I can do. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are definitely different motives for blood play. Uh, some people have a vampire kink, mm-hmm. uh, and so they will sometimes ingest it as well. Um, and sometimes there's like role play in that and stuff like that. It can also be part of primal play. Like for me, it's a spirituality and like energy work type play. Um, it could be a service. Mm-hmm. It could be about the trust that you're putting in your partner to have a sharp blade and to actually cut you mm-hmm. but not harm you. It could be just pain play. Blood itself is attractive and tasty yes, to some yes. people, like us. Uh, <laughs> it could be about a medical kink. It could be artistic yeah. cutting like Daddy does. Um, it could be scarification, which is basically artistic cutting that you want to stay. Yeah. So you do it over and over. and do. Sometimes you can do things to it. Um, I wouldn't suggest this, but some people will put cigar ash in it, which then brings in that cigar play. There's a lot of different things you can do to achieve scarification, and there's a lot of different techniques and stuff out there yeah. to make, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot out there that you can do, so. I think we could do a whole episode on scarification, probably. Probably. <laughs> there's piercings, temporary and permanent, mm-hmm. and then there's just the intimacy of it, the fluid exchange, the close contact. Um, I really like that I can lay my boy on the table and sit down next to them and do something that does a lot of it affects them a lot without making me do a lot of work because I am disabled so being able to have the stamina to do more needles you know because they take less spoons uh-huh. than say flogging yeah it, it doesn't take you two hours to do needles right and get me to a good space right exactly <laughs> And they are very, very effective. Yes, the the space that I get from needles is really strong. <laughs> it lasts for like what, a couple hours at least. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I enjoy it. And it's a like <laughs> we can. I've had a friend. We had a friend that flogged him for like two hours. Flogged the motherfucking shit out of him. Made him drop at one point. Yeah. But on these two different occasions that she beat him, he. Didn't hit subspace on the first one, and on the second one, he hit space for, like, maybe five minutes. Yeah, five, maybe ten minutes. And then was just 
out of it. Yeah, I can snap out of it like nothing with impact, so it's weird. Yeah, but with needles, it gets you deeper, and you stay there for longer, and you really enjoy it. Maybe we need to combine. That would be fun. I wouldn't mind some drumsticks. With Ooh, yes. I need a new crop. Um, all right, so some safety. Again, we are not encouraging you to do this kink without a mentor or teacher supervising you and teaching you as you do it. But these are just some safety items on how to play with blood more safely. Get tested. A, fucking get tested. Have your testing records, have your play partner's testing records, get tested frequently and get tested anytime that there is a risk. Mm-hmm. get tested. Uh, the safest way that you can do blood play is with fake blood. Yeah. You can use like red foods or liquids um, just for like the feel of blood, like red wine or licking raspberry jam off of someone or something like that. You can use bot or DIY fake blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of recipes out there and there's also lots of places to buy it. You could also use period blood. That's yeah. something that naturally occurs. You're not causing it to happen. Um, so that could be something that you could utilize. Uh, the only other safe way, I, I mean, it would be using actual blood. But if you have, like, maybe a phlebotomist friend who knows how to draw blood properly, um, you could do it that way. But that would involve a lot of knowing people and all that. And again, you should not ingest too much. We're going to talk no, about yeah. that later. Yeah. So if you are doing blood draws... You know, be careful with how much you're ingesting. But you could use that to smear around and yeah. play with. and That's more of what I yeah, was thinking. definitely. Um, but one of the main things you should have is a kit. We have a kit that has gloves, the sharps, your needles, your knives, scalpels, whatever. And a container for the sharps once they've been used. Because they are single use. Um, disinfecting materials like alcohol, alcohol wipes, iodine... And make sure if you have iodine, you also have alcohol because mm-hmm. some people are allergic to iodine. Yes. Same with gloves. Avoid latex because yeah. I don't even know that they really make latex gloves much they anymore. Do. do they? Yeah. Okay. But I know a lot of places offer nitrile gloves or vinyl gloves. So Yeah, most hospitals anymore, they use nitrile. And yeah. That's like usually the standard across most places. So, um, But yeah, you want to have bandages. Also avoid latex with those if you can yes um strips gauze antibiotic ointment um is nice to have i i don't think you would need it right after the scene unless no. you really wanted to you're right not necessarily um it might soothe the area yeah that's true especially if you get one that has like the lidocaine or whatever in it yeah i just put that on there because it is important when you are taking care of the cutting afterwards yes to keep it clean with an antibacterial soap and warm water and then putting antibacterial ointment on it drying it putting antibiotic ointment on it yeah and putting a bandage over it yeah proper wound care is key yes um a couple other things you should have well are recommended uh you don't necessarily have to have all of these but they are highly recommended. Um, safety shears for cutting your gauze or whatever. Those um, are just good to have in any in kit. In general, yeah. Um, and one thing that we do have that I got on, I think I got them on Amazon actually. Um, they're medical grade 
uh, markers specifically for like surgical procedures where they used to mark on the skin and they don't they don't wipe off right away if you use alcohol they kind of bleed and blur a little bit but this the your image or whatever still stays there so you have like a general it may be kind of fuzzy but it, you still have a general image of what you're working with so yeah. you can so you can clean so the you area can wipe and yeah mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other ways of like transferring images and stuff um i wouldn't use like a sharpie or anything like that just a regular i wouldn't use any just regular marker so yeah either you get some medical grade markers which are supposed to be single use as well and or you can just kind of freehand it <laughs> which i've done before um it's mm -hmm. a lot harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah I would definitely, another safety thing, pursue education on the subject. Find classes, find mentors to talk to. You must have a basic understanding of the anatomy that you're working with. Arteries and blood vessels lie just below the surface of the skin, and if you cut one, it could be life-threatening. Mm -hmm. The safest, quote-unquote, place to cut somewhere is on the places that have the most fat, basically, and that are the farthest away from, like, the veins and the capillaries and stuff like that. Yeah. And this varies greatly from person to person. So you need to really spend a lot of time stimulating the target area. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's such a hard thing to do. You know, you have to smack it around and see if any of those blood vessels pop up to the surface. Yeah, the best places, I think, to actually do a cutting to where you don't have to worry too much about veins and stuff would be either on the butt. I think that's the main area. And chest on the breast area but you do have to be careful there as well because i know especially on bigger chested women and others who have bigger chests that you can have a lot of bigger veins in there as well oh that's true yeah yeah so just something to like like you said everybody's different so mm -hmm. just something to keep in mind yeah i think definitely the butt and uh some places on the chest i <sighs> I would kind of avoid, like, neck, most oh, yeah. of the chest area. The fattier parts of your chest probably are okay. Just, again, look for veins and stuff. The outer and top of the thighs yeah. is a good place that I like to focus on. Avoid the inner thighs. Do not fuck yeah. with the inner thighs. There is a very big vein, the femoral artery, in your thigh, right in, in, in your, what is that? The, in your legs, in between them? It's a really big one, and if it gets nicked, then you're you're not doing good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and scarring can occur as superficially as the third layer of skin, which is like not not like like I'm talking the third little tiny layer of skin. Yeah. And so that might not even bleed, but it could scar. So you are always risking scarring when you are cutting. There are ways to avoid it, but you are always risking it. Yeah. If you're Using any type of sharp instrument, even if you're not planning to do any kind of blood play or anything, there is always a risk of leaving a scar. Yeah. Because, like, you can do a knife play scene and you can barely run across their skin, just, like, leave little raised marks, maybe, and not even, like, draw any blood. And that can leave a scar. Mm -hmm. But you can also have a scene where you do, like, these huge cuts and they heal up perfectly and there's almost no scar at all. So, 
it's it also depends on the person and all, there's a lot into it but yeah there's a ton of factors it depends on the person it depends on what they're going through at that time health wise and stuff mm -hmm. i mean there's just so much that goes into it you're always risking scarring yeah just you should also know basic medical hygiene yeah um lay down tarps and prevent the blood spatter from getting anywhere blood goes further than you think mm -hmm. you should not be hitting with blood unless you have a basically room. a kill room set up yeah which is tarps all around you like dexter goals I know. goals <laughs> that would be fucking awesome portable kill room would be awesome yes yes <laughs> sorry fantasies here um you should have sterile or disinfected instruments that are appropriate for what you're using it for yes. you can use scalpels um, and they come in different sizes and shapes you can use very very sharp single purpose knives I'm only saying this because I use a single knife that I have that Daddy keeps very, very sharp for me and that I disinfect every single time I use it. And it's specifically for me cutting my leather. But so I would not suggest starting with a knife. No. Scalpels are, you need to be very gentle with them, very, very delicate. But I feel like you're less likely because scalpels are lighter and knives are heavier, you're more likely to cut deeper with a knife. Yeah. Things to avoid, unkempt knives or like multi-purpose knives, just knives you grab out of your pocket or whatever, mm -hmm. don't fucking use those. And then I saw a lot of people talking about using fangs to penetrate for that vampire kink. Mm -hmm. Fangs are like a, that's like a puncture wound with like a fairly blunt object. Fangs are not, mm -hmm. even specially made fangs are not razor sharp. And even so, yeah, it would be a puncture wound yeah. instead of a cut. A cut. Or a, even a needle puncture wound is better than that kind. Well, not only that, but then you're dealing with potential bacteria in the person's mouth and all that as well. So. Absolutely. I just think that that's a bad idea. You can have them on for the mm -hmm. look. You can use them when you are sucking their blood, but don't use them to puncture the skin, please. Just a whole host of issues. I mean, I... I would say you could use them to, like, bite maybe a little bit, but I wouldn't bite so hard that you draw blood. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway with normal biting. Yeah. But, like, especially with fangs, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. Unless, I mean, unless you really, really want that, I wouldn't do it at all. So. Right. You need to know how to clean the skin where you'd like to puncture it. That's, you learn that through medical training and... Just best basic medical hygiene, and also your mentor can teach you that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go through it because, again, this is not a 101. After the play, you need to know basic wound care. You clean yes. each cut with warm soap and water, apply antibiotic ointment on it, and cover it with a bandage to keep it clean. You need to replace the bandage daily and clean it each time you replace it. With ingesting, you do need to be careful how much blood you ingest. They say that two teaspoons max at a time is what's suggested. And that's because there's a disease called hemochromatosis, which is having too much iron in your blood. And usually that's a genetic condition that like progresses throughout a patient's life. But people who drink blood can cause the disease to develop in themselves because the human body is incapable of properly metabolizing the blood that you are drinking. And so the iron goes into your own blood and it causes an iron overload. Yeah. So be careful with that. Don't ingest too much. Typically, in just a cutting and blood drinking scene, you're probably not going to get more than two teaspoons, but just a warning there. 
Well, and I've also heard that if you do drink too much blood in general, your stomach will naturally cause you to throw up. Yeah. Just because it can't process it. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind, too. Definitely a risk. Yeah. Some medical or mental health conditions which may interfere with blood play, taking blood thinners or having clotting disorders, super, super dangerous. Do not play with blood play if you have these issues. If you have a history of self-harm or you have like PTSD or trauma issues related to blood or cutting, maybe stay away. Yeah. But other than that, I can't really think of anything. Um, Diabetes might cause yeah. some issues with the... Just your blood volume sugar changing would that. change the blood sugar and endorphin. Um, if you are, have high blood pressure or anything like that, where you have issues with your blood pressure, that always needs to be taken into account. Um, I would be, if you have like really high blood pressure, I would be very careful doing any kind of blood play. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you have very low blood, blood pressure. Honestly, if you have any type of question about it, talk to your doctor. Yeah. Even if they judge you, that's still their fucking job is yeah. to help you. So. Well, and do your research. Find somebody who knows what is what. Mm-hmm. Do an anatomy. Like like you said, look, take an anatomy class or like look it up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be able to find it out there. Google's got everything on it, pretty much. Oh, yeah. You can basically become a medical student from Google. You just won't have the certification. <laughs> All right, and now are you ready to go on to the questions? Questions. Questions. All right, bratty prison girl Jessica asks, how do you properly clean equipment after a scene? Throw it away. No. So for tarps, yeah, (laughs) throw it away. You'll want to put tarps down. Those can be like, we use Dollar Tree tablecloths a lot of times. They're vinyl. Tablecloths or shower curtains. Shower curtains, yeah. Or you can use garbage bags if worse comes to worse, or just, you know, drop cloths, tarps, whatever. But throw them away. They have blood on them. Mm-hmm. They are now a biohazard. Yep. Carefully bag them up, throw them away. Yes. It would be nice if you bring your own trash bag to your scene for something like that to pack all your stuff in. Yeah. Make sure that you have a sharps container. Yes. So that you your single-use cutting implements can have a place to go. As far as cleaning equipment, usually, I mean, ideally you'd have a tarp down to kind of keep any of the blood from getting on like the table or anything but if some does get on the table you need to get some high grade and medical grade cleaner um we use what is it called hexachloridine hexachloridine or something like that i can't i can't remember exactly most dungeons will have it if you go and tell them but is it is a cleaner specifically designed to clean up blood any kind of bodily fluids Mm -hmm. um Make sure you spray it down with that and wipe it down. As far as, like, if you have a scalpable, uh, scalpable, a scalpel with a, like, a changeable blade, uh, make sure you clean that, the handle of it very well um, with alcohol. Um, if you're using, like, a, a knife, you mm-hmm. need to clean it yes. with alcohol before and after each and every single use and let it dry before you fold it back up. I mean, in a perfect world, you have your own autoclave to clean everything. But that's that's, 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 that's my dream. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jessica again asks, how do you control blood from cuts and other types of penetration of the skin? So there's no real way to control it because everybody's different. 
Some people have paper thin skin, some have really tough skin. The best way to like control it is to start with like a small cut or go very shallow with your needles at first. Mm-hmm. Start slow. You can always cut more. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can't uncut what you've cut. So if worse comes to worse, there are clotting powders. We don't carry that, but it might be something good to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, there are clotting powders that you would dust on the cut and it would clot it up, um, ideally. Uh, there are sterostrips, strips, which you can use to close the wound and it might stop, stem some of the bleeding. Um, you can put pressure on the wound directly, yes. um, even pressure with a sterile pad between your hand and the wound. Like if it's on your arm or leg, there are places where you could put a belt or something. Tourniquet. And create a tourniquet of sorts, yes. You need to be careful with that, though. Yes. Yeah, those are just like emergency situations, and you need to know how to do those things before you ever think about doing a scene where they might be needed. Yes. You should never have to use a tourniquet. You should never do a scene that needs a tourniquet. Sorry. You just just shouldn't. Um, (laughs) All right. What are some precautions to check or inspect for equipment? So, obviously... If you have any kind of, like if you have a metal handled scaffold, make sure it's not rusty or anything. Make sure it's clean. Um, If you have like knives that you use on a specific person, check that they're sharp and clean and ready to use. Um, Make sure you have your tarps, all your, your kits stocked. You have everything. You have your alcohol. You have your iodine. You have all your bandages and everything that you're going to need. Um, yeah, yeah I, can't I think, think of, that's... Yeah, just just be prepared. Be prepared. Scouts honor. Be prepared. <laughs> what do you do if somebody passes out during a blood play scene? So if somebody were to pass out during any type of scene, you need to, A, if you have any type of issue where you might pass out during a scene, communicate that before the scene. In negotiation, communicate that to your partner. And if it does happen, let them know what they need to do. If it happens and you haven't been told about it. Yeah, I had a, I did a cutting once um, on somebody and they did not tell me they had, they were diabetic. Um, And they had a sugar crash shortly after the scene, actually right as the scene was ending. So they didn't pass out or anything, but they were faint and woozy and all that. So we got them some peanut butter and. They were better after that, after sitting a bit and eating and all that. But that's something that needs, that's that's priority, especially when you're doing a blood scene or that. Yeah. As far as someone passing out, you do not continue. You stop. Of course, yes. You stop immediately, make sure they're okay. If they are bleeding excessively, uh, obviously put pressure on the wound with a bandage or something. If it's, like, gushing, then you need to get them to the hospital immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they pass out from just some people, like, when I go to get blood drawn at the doctor, I don't know why, but as soon as they draw blood, I almost faint instantly, even if it's just, like, barely any in the vial. Um, And he has fainted. I have several times, and it's kind of embarrassing. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everybody is different. Just make sure all the, as many precautions as you can need to be taken. And, I mean, 
do your best to prepare for whatever can happen. Definitely. All right, and our friend Arabescence asks, what areas should you avoid cutting and how important is it to avoid those areas? Yes. So there are quite a few areas you should avoid cutting. Um, we did mention no cutting on the neck or the inner inner leg, inner thigh. I mean, those are your main arteries. You got would... the carotid in the neck, the side of the neck, and then the femoral in your leg there. Mm. I would also avoid cutting any... Like anything on the hands or extremities. I would avoid the genitals. There's just, mm. there's, there's quite a few. Yeah. There above your pelvic bone. It may seem a little fatty, but there's not a whole lot between your skin and your pelvic bone. No, there And isn't. there, there are arteries there in the skin. Yeah. Also to point out, the genitals tend to, well, especially in penis having people. The penis tends to have a lot more blood in it and mm -hmm. bleeds profusely. Especially if it's hard. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, that's why it's hard. It has blood yeah. in it. I mean, I've seen, like, people do piercings on their dick and then they take out the the piercing. It was actually not a piercing. It was a nail. But, um, and it was just, pour, like, pouring blood. So... I mean, you can do that type of play, but there is an extreme risk in that, so... That is definitely far into edge play. Yes. Um, but anywhere that has, like, very, like, the skin is very close, so you can actually, like, see the veins or any kind of tendons or anything, so, like, your hands, feet, ar well, wrists, arms in general, I mean, maybe on, like, the fattier parts of your arms you do, but... I mean, just be careful where you do it. Definitely. Um, um, Latexborn asks, Vampire kink, yay or nay? Just the aesthetic of vampires role-playing as vampires, blood drinking real or fake, and probably other stuff. That's his definition for vampire. Someone uh, asked him, so I figured I'd include it. <laughs> okay. So I... I'm into it. I like the aesthetic of vampires. I have kind of a creepy aesthetic at times. I swing between creepy gothic kind of stuff and, like, Lolita little sugar baby kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and sometimes a little bit of both. So I do like the aesthetic. I don't do much role-playing of that. So I don't do yeah. much role-playing at all. Um, but I haven't done much role-play of any sort of that. Yeah, we're not much of role-players. Although, it's it's hard coming up with role-plays like, to think of them. I know. But, I, I mean, I definitely want to... Would love to try that out sometime. Vampire roleplay. That would be fun. Um, but blood drinking is probably like the main thing that we do, um, as part of blood play, because we enjoy it. And you can actually, in blood drinking, side note, you can actually, if you drink too much blood in a scene, you can actually get blood drunk, mm -hmm. which is a thing. If you have too much, it can be basically the equivalent of drinking too much. Um, we had a, uh presenter come in and do a class on blood play and he said that he had done a scene with his submissive and after the scene he didn't remember anything from for the rest of the night and that's i mean that's that's pretty bad yeah that's <laughs> so terrifying it's honestly. something that you need to consider and yeah. it and it could be just from the emotion or energy from the scene or whatever 
It doesn't necessarily have to be however much you drank. Mm -hmm. It could be just that raw, like, intimacy and emotion. The space from it, yeah. yeah. All right. And our friend Bollocks asks, can I watch? I like topping and bottoming for most blood play. It's one of my favorites. If you have problems with blood sugar, what precautions should you take before getting involved in a blood play scene? Or should you even do it? Eat a snack. Yeah, make sure your blood sugar yeah. is level that day. There are a lot of ways that people with diabetes, everybody's different. Yeah. Um, everybody has their own tells and their own ways of knowing whether or not they're okay. You might even just need to take your levels. Bring your glucometer with you. Yeah, I would advise, like, if you have, if you're diabetic or have blood sugar issues, um, like, check your sugars throughout the day, make sure you, they're pretty level or stable, as, I mean, as stable as you normally are, make sure you drink plenty of water throughout the day, and before you're seen, make sure your levels are good, have a snack, drink water, just, just in general, take care of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, eating and drinking a lot of water that day mm-hmm. is advisable for anybody. Yeah. Um, drinking water helps the blood flow more nicely yes. as well. Um, and then keeping your your own blood sugar, whether you're diabetic or not, keeping your own blood sugar levels and calories and stuff like that up is also important when you're doing something so intense. Yes. You do not want to do a blood play scene if you haven't eaten all day. Oh, yeah. Or haven't had very much water that day, just because it's it can be really bad. It can so. wreak havoc on your body. Yes. Honestly, your body can react to it and be like, "Oh my God, we're in danger. What are we gonna do?" You know, like it. It's just bad. Uh, Bollocks also asks, "How much is too much blood?" Again, earlier we said that two teaspoons is the max you should ingest, but as far as what you should bleed out, I actually looked this one up. Um, so. So, hemorrhage is the technical term for blood loss, apparently. I did not know that. I thought it was just some medical thing that people get from injuries, which apparently it's true. It's blood loss. Mm -hmm. It's hemorrhage. So, stage one, you can lose up to 15% of your blood. So, I'm just paraphrasing. Don't quote me on this. But, um... So, basically, you shouldn't lose more than 10%. Yeah. So 15 is like, like when you need to go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also learned this when you go to give blood, they take eight to 10% of your blood. So that's also another thing to keep in mind. And that's a lot of blood. That is a lot of blood. So I would not recommend (laughs) losing that, losing that much blood. (laughs) Yeah. But pretty much you should be good. If you start to feel woozy, if you haven't done blood play before, I mean, take it slow. Don't yeah. go from zero blood play to, you know, bleeding all over the damn place. Mm-hmm. Take it slowly. Start with one cut. Start with a couple of cuts. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to give all of your blood in one scene. <laughs> we, would, we would prefer you not because then you can't do more scenes. Don't give 110%. <laughs> this is the one thing you don't want to give 110%. Right. And Bollocks also asks, how do you find someone who likes to bottom or top for blood play? I would say with that, in the community, go to events, Mm -hmm. talk about it. Uh, We do an intro at WWW where we talk about our kinks and what we're looking for, mention it then. Um, You could also look on uh, like local forums, Mm -hmm. on FetLife especially. 
Um, yeah, there's lots of pages and groups on FET for blood play and cutting and needles and all that. As far as, like, looking for someone local, yeah, I mean, other than, I mean, I just talk to people in the community and... Cause... I would highly suggest if you meet someone and you don't know them well, vet them hard. Yeah. Not only take their test results and check the communities that they are currently in, but talk to friends, talk to previous communities. Why did they leave those communities? Was there a problem? Yeah. You know, figure these things out because blood play is a huge edge play. Like, it's really a big intimacy thing. And it's not only intimate, but it's dangerous. Yeah. It's risky. And if you cut someone, you are breaking the law, whether they consent or not. That's a, a same with a lot of our kink activities. You are breaking the law, whether they consent or not. So you need to be careful because if someone is not a upstanding person and decides to turn around the next day and cry consent violation, which I always believe the victim. I don't think that that happens very often where people cry consent violation. But if that were to happen, you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. But yeah, just ask around. They're out there. You'll find them. Uh, Mistress Amy KS asks, what testing should be done before blood play scenes? I do full STD and HIV. And where do you get testing for free? So I agree. I do full STD and HIV. Yep, full um, panel. Full panel. Make sure that they have that with them. I always have it on my phone because uh, I have an app through my doctor and I can just pull up my test results and be like, here we go. Well, even if you have them printed off and like you take a picture on your phone. Yeah. So you don't have to have an actual physical copy. Yeah. Even though that's that is nice to have where it's actually like from the doctor's office. Like, mm-hmm. But uh, where to get testing for free? Um, health department. Yeah, health department is I, probably your best bet. I believe that clinics. I think you have to pay for the office visit, but I believe that clinics do the testing itself for free. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. But health departments do have STD and HIV testing for free. There are also other avenues like you also have other options like uh, women's clinics and Planned Parenthood and there are certain organizations that do specifically um, like there's positive directions in Wichita which focuses mainly on HIV and AIDS um, prevention but they do provide um, all kinds of testing as far as I'm aware yeah and like you can go to your regular doctor and get them get tested although we found that it's kind of a pain if you're a vagina-having person. Yeah, apparently. So, Daddy and I go to the same doctor yeah. at the same clinic. Yeah. We talk to the same nurse because the nurse is the same nurse for this doctor. Yeah. I asked for an STD test. I got the response. Oh, um, okay. Let me, let me check with the doctor. Didn't hear back for a couple of days. I call back. Oh, um, somebody didn't call you? Okay, uh, let me check on that. Then I get a call from my gynecologist. We heard you wanted to get some sexual wellness testing. I said, yeah. They said, okay. Go to the lab. Boom. Done. But why? Why did it take, why did it take that? What was your response when you asked for sexual wellness testing? So I went in for like a checkup and just in general. Same doctor. to get tested and everything. And... Like, I was dealing with my blood pressure issues then as well. So, they were, I was, yeah, did a checkup, and I was like, yeah, I just wanted to do a 
an STD panel just because I haven't done one in a while and I'd like to get it checked just to make sure everything's good. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They sent it off to the lab that day. It took me three days of phone calls, a phone tag, and getting sent to a different department to get a sexual wellness test. Yeah, and if I hadn't passed out when I was trying to give blood that day <laughs> because I was having a very bad blood pressure issue day, um, <laughs> I would have had that done that day. But mm -hmm. I went back the next day. So, Yep, ridiculous. So uh, there are places, like I said, like the women's clinics are probably going to be less judgmental. Mm -hmm. uh, health departments as well. Um, I know that there's, I'm not sure if there's one in Wichita, but a lot of places will have like uh, LGBT centers. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they would have resources at the very least, if not offer free testing themselves. Just, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of places out there that you can go. Lots of uh, sliding scale fees, places and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, All right. And our last question, Scurry asks... For blood play, what medical conditions would cause you to avoid bottoming for blood play? Oh, yeah. So if you have hemophilia, obviously, um, that's a big one. But hemophilia, any kind of bloodborne pathogens you have or any kind of diseases like that, any kind of blood disorders, anything... Anything that your blood is affected by or that your blood affects. Yeah. You should talk to your doctor or do some research about how cuttings and blood play will affect that disorder and vice versa. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other kind of conditions or anything that I've come across. I don't know if blood play would affect someone who has seizures or not, but that would probably be something to look into. I mean, it could probably be a stressor enough for someone if yeah. for the first time to cause one if yeah. they were stressing it. Yeah, just trying to think. I don't think I I can't think of anything else off the yeah. top of my head. But I I mean, do your research. Anything that has to deal with like blood pressure or clotting. Clotting. Yeah. Definitely. Just do your research. And again, do not do any type of blood play without having a mentor or teacher teach you. And right. supervise you. Yes. And get tested. Get tested. Always get tested. And drink water. Drink plenty of water. Take your meds. Take care of yourself. Give yourself a hug for me. <laughs> All right, Daddy. Are you ready for the Daddy joke? I picked this one out for you guys today. Because we realized we didn't have one. We looked it up before we recorded. But it's very appropriate. It is. So. This is going to be really bad. Your daddy jokes are awful. Well, that's the thing. I always gotta say it's really bad because that's the thing. Okay. So, I tried donating blood today. Never again. They asked way too many freaking questions. Like, whose blood is this? How did you get it? Why is it in a bucket? 